Hi, this is Trish. We're here with the June edition of the award-winning book club at the Recording Library. And I'm here today with, on my right, is... Iris Foster. And you are a... Volunteer here at the Recording Library. Yes, you are. Um, and on my left is... Melanie Size. And you're a volunteer. Yes, I am. Maybe not a recent one, but you've... Oh, thanks for mentioning that. You've been a volunteer before. <laughs> um, we have Becky and Denisa and Cindy are all not here tonight, um, and but our engineer is here. Hi, I'm Abby. <laughs> so she will um, watch the clock for us and make sure we sound good. Our book we are talking about tonight was the winner of the 20... 20- 18 Man Booker Prize, which is a prize primarily given to books published in the United Kingdom. So Iris is going to read about the Man Booker Prize, which is not even called the Man Booker Prize anymore. The winner of the Booker Prize is generally assured international renown and success. Therefore, the prize is of great significance for the book trade. From its inception, only novels written by Commonwealth, Irish, and South African, and later Zimbabwean citizens were eligible to receive the prize. In 2014, it was widened to any English-language novel, a change which proved controversial. The prize was originally known as the Booker McConnell Prize after the company Booker McConnell Limited began sponsoring the event in 1969. It became commonly known as the Booker Prize or simply the Booker. Prize money awarded with the Booker Prize was originally £21,000 or $26,000 and was subsequently raised to £50,000, $63,500 in 2002 under the sponsorship of the Mann Group, making it one of the world's richest literary prizes. A high-profile literary award in British culture, the Booker Prize is greeted with anticipation and fanfare. It is also a mark of distinction for authors to be selected for inclusion in the shortlist or even to be nominated for the long list. The Booker Prize archives from 1968 to present are kept at the Oxford University Library. Mann Group announced in early 2019 that the year's prize would be the last of 18 under their sponsorship. A new sponsor, Crankstart, a charitable foundation run by Sir Michael Moritz and his wife Harriet Hyman, then announced it would sponsor the award for five years with the option to renew for another five years. The award title was changed to simply the Booker Prize. The selection process for the winner of the prize commences with the formation of an advisory committee, which includes a writer, two publishers, a literary agent, a bookseller, a librarian, and a chairperson appointed by the Booker Prize Foundation. The advisory committee then selects the judging panel, the membership of which changes each year, although on rare occasions a judge may be selected a second time. The winner is announced at a ceremony in London's Guildhall, usually in early October. Well-known Booker winners include Yann Martell for Life of Pi, Salma Rushdie for Midnight's Children, and Margaret Atwood for The Blind Assassin. Awesome. Thank you. So this, in in our journey through uh, book awards, literary awards, this is the one that so far has actual gravitas behind it in the form of money. So what fifty thousand pounds is like six well right now the exchange rate is like a dollar no, yeah, a dollar twenty seven per pound. So what was it's like sixty three thousand dollars. And that was significant to our author because she's was pretty poor before this book. 
So Melanie's going to read about the author and then a short little, like, synopsis of the novel. Anna Burns, born in 1962, was born in Belfast and raised in the working-class Catholic district of Ardoin. She attended St. Gemma's High School. In 1987, she moved to London to study Russian. She lives in East Sussex on the South English coast. Burns grew up as one of seven siblings in a working-class Catholic family. As was common among large families living in tiny homes known as kitchen houses, she explains, she lived with her unmarried aunt over the road. I had the rowdiness of home, and then I could withdraw to my aunt's quiet house. I liked that mix, she says. They were a bookish family, but it was very private. You wouldn't say, what's that you're reading? That would be a terrible insult. There was a high currency on library cards, which were always being taken so someone could borrow extra books. A little synopsis of Milkman. Milkman, a novel about the trauma of growing up during the troubles in the 1970s in Belfast. In an unnamed city, Middle Sister stands out for the wrong reasons. She reads while walking for one, and she has been taking French night classes downtown. So when a local parliamentary known as the Milkman begins pursuing her, she suddenly becomes interesting, the last thing she ever wanted to be. Despite Middle Sister's attempts to avoid him and to keep her mother from finding out about her maybe-boyfriend rumors spread and the threat of violence lingers, Milkman is a story of the way interaction can have enormous repercussions in a time when the wrong flag, wrong religion, or even a sunset can be subversive. Thank you. So, we're going to start with the setting because, and the author was really hard to find anything about her. There's this is her first book that's made any sort of a had any notoriety. She did win an award for another book she wrote about Ireland, Belfast, when she was growing up. But this is like her, I guess, the one that she's made the most money off and is the most well-known for and been interviewed about. And one thing I I found was that, was this really supposed to be Belfast in the 70s? Mm -hmm. And that struck me, I don't know if it's about y'all, but when she was, when the middle sister, the main narrator, was talking about where she lived, it really could have been anywhere. And not naming names is a huge thing in this book. I did find this quote from her about the setting of, of Belfast. She says, although it is recognizable as this skewed form of Belfast, it's not really Belfast in the 1970s. I would like to think it could be seen as any sort of totalitarian, closed society existing in similarly oppressive conditions. I see it as a fiction about an entire society living under extreme pressure, with long-term violence seen as the norm. The novel is in many ways an attempt to show how abnormal that normality was. The lack of names, giving it a dystopian, futuristic quality. Many readers, especially younger ones, who are not familiar with recent Irish history, and I will have to say here who is, have found parallels with Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. I did not find a parallel with The Handmaid's Tale, but when she was talking about different neighborhoods, she called them districts. And that's what they do in the Hunger Games. And that stuck out to me immediately. Ooh. I was like, this could be anywhere, not necessarily Belfast. And she also doesn't name... Belfast has a lot of 
very recognizable places or places that tourists would know and neighborhoods and names and that kind of stuff. And since she doesn't use proper names for anything, it really could be anywhere. Did did any of that strike y'all about setting? No, I thought it was probably a communist country. I didn't realize yeah. it was mm-hmm. supposed to be Belfast, but she didn't mention pubs as much. She talked about clubs, so mm-hmm. yeah, figure, so like everybody has word. clubs. Yeah. Yeah. But pubs are very big in Ireland. In Ireland, right. There's a lot of over the water and across the, you know, mm-hmm. across the pond kind of references. and Yeah, you knew it wasn't the United States. You knew there was a lot of strife. There's definitely a lot of uh, yeah. mer- military. And so you can pick up on some of that. And, of course, I had the I have a different perspective. Oh, yes. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, I did not read the book. I listened to it on Audible. And so there was an Irish narrator. So that automatically gives you a little bit of a big, different... Big hint. Yeah. It's a huge hint, actually. And it, I think it made it a lot easier for, for me to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a slog. It is, now, so we're going to talk about writing style. <laughs> I do have one quote about writing style. It is, it is entirely written in a first person, which is kind of like our first novel that we read, The Friend, the one about the dog. It's entirely first-person narrative, uh, it's her, and it's also stream of consciousness. That's it, what I was going to say, stream of, it's consciousness. stream of consciousness. Yeah, and did, that was annoying sometimes because she would mention, like, oh, I was poisoned, and then you didn't get <laughs> back to how <laughs> and when. Yeah. Like, I need the facts, well, ma'am. <laughs> and the funny thing is when I'm listening to it, trying to get through it pretty quickly, and so I'm, I'm running and I'm cleaning the house and doing different things, but it almost felt like how you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your own thoughts in your head because you're just walking around and it's this meandering conversation yes. that you have to put together somehow. It is like her, it is a stream of consciousness in the mind of an 18 year old, which I mm-hmm. thought was pretty like, after I thought about it, I'm like, oh, that is kind of how I thought pretty when art- I was 18. Well, pretty around. articulate for an 18 year old, <laughs> but still you, you got the idea of her maybe boyfriend anxieties and her mm-hmm. her dealings with her mother and things like that. I love the mother. It was mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a very odd mix of, you know, um, being the dutiful daughter and being the young ingenue. Yes. It, uh, so I did find one what the judges thought of the book, the Man Booker Judges, which this I downloaded the reading guide and this is it, y'all. It's like nothing. It's these like one, two, three, four, five things. I mean, it's not a typical reading guide for a book. Usually you get like a bunch of questions and discussion and like essay prompts and stuff like that. But this one has what the judges thought. Maybe this is a UK thing, so we can say it's British. Use your accent. (laughs) Yes, I'm not going to read it in my British accent. Although, yeah, anyway. At turns frightening and inspirational, Milkman is stylistically utterly distinctive. All... At the intersection of class, race, gender, and sexual violence, it deals with oppression and power, with a Beckettian sense of humor, offering a wholly original take on Ireland in the time of the Troubles through the mind of a young girl. This, but the that's interesting and all. But the sentence that speaks to what we were talking about is genuinely experimental. Its ability to move from the scene of public life into the intimate landscape of the mind, sometimes in a single sentence, is stunning. So, what it, does that like make sense to y'all? That made sense to me because mm-hmm. a lot of the time I'm like, oh, we're just in her brain. That's exactly how I felt listening to it. In my, it felt like it was in my brain. <laughs> her brain was in my brain. It was 
it was that. It's when you're thinking and you just have all these thoughts and you're kind of, you know, you're thinking and then it's... No structure. Exactly. It was very complex and, and it was hard to put down and figure out where you left off. Yeah, because definitely. You, you could like, pick up on her own distractions. Yes. That's right. Yes. So, so as a reader, not easy. No, not um, at all. A bit of a slog sometimes and I would get frustrated and find myself... Your attention wandering, right? My, well, I skipped... I would skim because I just wanted to find out about the poison. I didn't really care about the 20 other things that were in her head mm-hmm. before she got to the part about why she was poisoned Poison, or who yeah. did it and all that stuff. So let's talk tablets about... Tablets girl. A tablets girl. So I love all that she... she and that's kind of... That is kind of how we think, right? If you, you know people by name, but then you also... It's also a good mnemonic that you have a little name, another name for them. So she's middle sister. She is mm-hmm. in the middle. She's got what two older sisters and then the three younger ones and some brothers sprinkled around there somewhere uh, they don't figure too prominent i mean they're they're mentioned the brother-in-law one. oh the creepy it starts creepy. off with the yeah, creepy the first creepy brother-in-law then. yeah and and he's and referenced then, as what is he first brother-in-law and then she goes running with third, third brother-in-law, brother-in-law. Yeah. yes third um, brother-in-law so what do y'all think about that and the, the milkman is is we never know what his name is. We never know what anybody's real names are. Well, it's it's funny. Kind of makes me think of this, and this is a strange reference, but when you are Sex in the City, yes, you know, Mr. Mr. Big. Big. We never knew his name. It was just that kind of thing. But this is everybody is that way. Mm-hmm. And so I was waiting and waiting to see. There was a point in the book when I think she explains why no one has a name. That and that was oh, I, it was a really. Because to name something it is... It was kind of poignant. It was like a... Uh, I can't remember the exact quote. Uh-oh. I'm well, what, I f- what, I, <laughs> what struck me or when I found it was when she was talking about her... And this, this was a really rough part of the book to me. Her father being on his deathbed. Oh, the deathbed scene. That's awful. And he's talking... And she's, she goes in before... That was terrible. But then she starts talking about how mom's insulting him. He's never cared. And then she says, yeah, well, when it, he had... His deathbed moment was very selfish although i don't know what what's a good deathbed moment who knows but um (laughs) can't speak for that i can wait to find out um but he starts to talk about very personal things but she talks about how he never while he was alive and they were growing up how he never referred to them by name and he could never remember their names so then he'd start to give them these devices and that's how they started to refer to each other this way so it would be uh, sister-in-law or so-and-so he or sister. He was a very distant parent. Yeah, and so it was distant, and it kind of took away from, I don't know, I guess there wasn't, there wasn't enough closeness to develop a relationship enough to know his children individually, enough to know their names. And so they developed that same, it, this is what I took from it, is it seemed that they developed that same way in dealing with others. So, so what the the... The quote, I mean, I remember that, but the one that stuck out to me was the couple who kept the list of names that weren't allowed in the district. Yes. So that's what <laughs> I was thinking list. is that the names of people who aren't allowed in the district, it was the spirit of community going, I'm reading now, the back in time that deemed which names were allowed and which were not. The keepers of the band list were two people, a clerk and clerkess, who cataloged, regulated, and updated these names frequently, proving themselves efficient in their clerkiness. But viewed by the community as mentally borderline aberrational. <laughs> so I kind of thought that some of that name thing was like, you don't name names. is sort of like a 
criminal it was a defense, yeah. yeah, like a like a criminal element. Sure, but she was. It was a protection, and right. it felt like it's part of the time that they're in, and everybody's on edge and looking over their shoulder. You want to be anonymous. And, uh, yeah. No one wants to be named for anything in particular. That's why she walked while reading, I think, because yeah. Oh, yeah. she wanted so she to just kind of be under the radar and just not even be noticed. And that's not particularly acceptable to some people. Like, they want, people want you to choose sides. They want to know who you yes. are. You can't be anonymous. So let's talk about reading while walking. <laughs> Has anybody, have, have you ever read while walking, Iris? Not that I can remember, because <laughs> I, I, I would have fallen on my face. <laughs> I pretty much uh, listened to this book while running. Well, well, so true. You were listening. I wasn't reading it, but... When oh, she and was, those people who can actually read print while they're on a treadmill, that amazes me, because that makes me nauseous. I would yeah. fall on my face. Yeah, it that would not makes be me good. nauseous. Yeah. It reminds no. me of Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Belle, you Belle, know, she yes. walks around and reads yes. her book. Yes, and everybody thinks she's weird. Yeah. Yeah, they think she's that strange girl. So it is exactly the same. Good. That's yes, a coping good, mechanism, Abby. I think. I kept trying to think, now, you know, what's the translation for reading while walking? Is it somebody texting, who's always on their yes. phone and texting? Yeah, I think that's it's the an 21st avoidance. century. It's a, I didn't even think of that. Wow. Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of so avoidance right. of eye contact or having to have communication with people around you. Certainly. I think that's right. I w- yes. Like on public transportation, like I will always, like if plane, in an airport, mm-hmm. on a bus, on a train – always have something to read and also like going to a restaurant by yourself i was gonna say yeah. that's a de- that is definitely it's a comfort you're alone but you have a book so it's okay yes. Ma- yeah. it makes it acceptable i don't need to talk to anybody mm-hmm. i don't need and certainly yeah. don't need don't any, don't bother interfe- me interfe- interfered book, with yeah. yes i don't want it need to be interfered with which leads to the next thing which is that the milkman is the person who interferes with that mm-hmm. So, characters, middle sister, and then our other main character, who is the driver of all of the plot, is the milkman, who is a But creep. he's not the real milkman. He's not yeah. a milkman. That's he's right. That's a, so which weird. Which is the, I thought, what? what? He's not a milkman, <laughs> well, and then later like, you meet a milkman. And, yeah, why did they choose that as his descriptor when there is a real milkman? Yeah, she even talks later. about that. She's like, I don't know why he's called the milkman. Everybody just calls him the milkman. Like, was he once a milkman? And then he quit I being started a wondering, okay, is this like the, the milkman reference that we all know? That, uh-huh. oh, that's the milkman's kid. Or I don't know, what is the milkman? Well, that's right. He looks known, like, like, a, yeah. like a predatory kind of person at that point in time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? The milkman. Come get I remember my truck, the milkman <laughs> driving down our street. I rem- when I was little, I remember the Borden truck coming to the house, and we got our milk that way. We didn't, I mean... And did, I was a. It, did you ever look at the driver? Did the milkman come in and yeah, you know ask what? Questions? He did let me go in the back of the truck and pick out like ice cream, like Eskimo pies or something or popsicles. Mm-hmm. And then I remember my mom always standing on the street because I got because sure. I was in the back of the milkman's truck. Oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about that in so long. Um, <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> so, but that is kind. Of, maybe milkmen are creepy. I don't know. Well, I know there is the reference and the joke of, you know, that's the milkman's Milk kid. Man's you got kid, the milkman's yeah. hair color. Yeah. You, you know, ha, ha, ha. But maybe, postman, yeah. maybe we should look up the, I don't know what you call it, where, where that began. Hmm. Well, like all things that it become legend. cliches like that, it started with someone who it had a It started with the milkman. Some, maybe in Ireland somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Some redheaded milkman in Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, that, no, that's totally, I think that would be interesting. I didn't see anything about that in any of the reviews that I read about why she called, why he was known as the milkman. Any any reason? 
So let's talk about the stalker. He is a stalker. Mm-hmm. And that first encounter, actually reading that, I got nervous for her. Right. Did y'all get nervous? Absolutely. Yeah. How, how violent is this going to become? Yeah. What does he want? And have, that's just based on, I mean, we're all women here, so we can talk about, like, that we've probably all had encounters with strangers where she says something sets off in her. She yes. knows he's being polite. He's not being rude. He's referenced the family connection that he knows who she is and he knows her family. But then at the same time, something in her tells her, don't be get in this car. Yeah, beware. And I've told my daughters, yes. everybody here mm-hmm. has daughters, and I'm sure Abby's mom has told her too, if you something doesn't feel right. Trust your gut. Yes. Trust your Always. gut. Don't be afraid. But I will say, then there's a lot of this theme throughout the book about the the politeness. Yeah, she's too polite. She and needs to a, tell him to leave her alone. Yeah, that's and a, she did never tell him. That's a today conversation. Mm-hmm. That's everywhere. You know, how often are we polite because we don't want to offend somebody that actually might be out there to hurt us. Yeah. So And in the stalkery kind of people like that know that they what they, they got you betwixt in between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How far can I push her? And take advantage. Of and he this. had been watching her and paying attention. It's kind of grooming. Yes, That's what it seemed like to me. Knew grooming, her, different her vehicles. Yeah, different places. He was laying by on the street or whatever. A lot of detail. So if yeah. this was, and so we have usually we talk about this and we get to the end. But if this was a movie. I can see it like she's walking down the street and he just appears like that's because Mm -hmm. she's so in like an ice in her own brain and reading her books or when she's running when she's running she's not reading she's just running Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he's there running beside her creepy (laughs) like that would be a scary scene in the movie like this guy like she doesn't have peripheral vision and all of a sudden there he is yeah yeah you can picture it yeah so and even though this writing was dense and it was like being in someone's mind, those parts where she's actually describing those things moved very fast. It was all of this other (laughs) parts of her brain. Yeah. Those parts you can get really absorbed in and have that action. You can feel it. I feel like for me, especially I was on the road running when I hit that part where she met him. So it did give me a little bit of, that's a little odd and weird and made me, That'd look be around too at my close surroundings. For comfort for me. But you know, you we can all probably relate to an instance in our own lives where something made us uncomfortable enough mm-hmm. to have that little heart racing feeling of And then so I did talk to Cindy a little bit, even though she's not here tonight, we were talking about the kind of stalker stuff that happens in the world. And I mentioned the scene with her I was telling her, I was like, it seems like usually if you're if you're a woman and you're having a problem with a man like this, that the only your recourse is a man is another man, right? Like tell your dad, tell your brother, Police. tell your friend, tell a man, tell your boyfriend. She thinks about telling her boyfriend, her maybe boyfriend, maybe boyfriend, ugh, maybe boyfriend. What a mess. <laughs> Although so, I'm like, oh, I kind of understand this concept. She just. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I get it. Do you have one right now? Do you have a maybe boyfriend? Maybe, maybe, maybe. But, you know, I get it. I get that. I know what it's like. So, and my girls know what it, girls, when I talk to my daughters and they talk about, I'll ask, so, well, is that your boyfriend? And she's like, well, I don't know. Maybe. Kind of maybe. And I'm like, oh, this is the maybe boyfriend. I I get it. Yeah. Got it. So. Yeah, that didn't seem, it didn't seem weird to me. I just wanted 
I wanted her to tell someone. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to tell anybody. And then when she did, but then when she did she tell her, her mother, and she, well, yeah, mother she told first, her mother, yeah. her mother just completely, that, I, of course, hated her mother in that scene because her mm-hmm. mother just basically didn't believe her at all. And believed the rumors that she was having an affair with him. And who hasn't had a mother who doesn't really believe you? And why didn't she believe her? Because she's suspicious? Because there's been a past history of, ob, uh, you know, obscuring what the truth is. She's a teenager. I mean, I come know. on. I know. I feel He's like I can, I can be on the the mom side oh, or the totally, kid side. Totally. Either way. Yeah. So. so let's talk about that. When we talk about the McMahon and that she told, she wouldn't tell anybody. So this is the point I was getting to. So, like, I kept being like, she needs to tell someone but then when she finally does tell someone and she tells her first friend, her, what does she call her first friend? Primary her friend. Primary yeah. friend. First primary. Uh, <laughs> Get it right. She tells her that that person doesn't care. So her mother didn't believe her. She can't tell her boyfriend because Milkman has roundabout threatened him by mentioning car, car bombs, bombs a lot. Yes. <laughs> and the guy works on cars. So then she tells the primary friend. She finally releases it. She says she feels so much better. She's finally said the whole thing. And her friend doesn't care about that at all. Her friend just still cares that she's weird because she reads when she's walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was a total wasted conversation in there. Where yes. She thought her oldest friend was going to you know, support her. And the oldest friend was off on this trip. So when the oldest friend and her husband died, I thought, yeah, who cares? See that? Yeah, we didn't care about them by that point because didn't, she didn't listen. I agree. Yeah, that whole conversation, I kept waiting for her to be like, because the primary friend or whatever was in a paramilitary group as well. And that is someone mm-hmm. who could have taken care of it for yes. her. Yeah. She she finally told someone who actually had a little power. And I don't know what the intent was, but I felt like there's a little symbolism about why people don't talk or they mm-hmm. don't feel like they can talk to anybody or maybe they won't feel listened mm-hmm. to or believed. And all of this was played out throughout this book. Yes. About who, who do you trust? And who, who can you trust and who is going to take an active interest in what you're saying? So, obviously, this has a little Me Too. Certainly. Even though it was written sort of in published before well, that's Me not Too. a new issue. Oh, no. no. It's just a new it hashtag. It has a name. New <laughs> hashtag, exactly. It has that, yeah. I mean, women have been being interfered with by... A, or getting attention from men they don't want attention Since from for yeah, ever. Women and children. Yes. Well, or, vulnerable, yeah, vulnerable people. Vulnerable yes. Old people as well. That's, yeah, the um, vulnerable. Anybody who is easy prey for weak cowards. I might have some personal thoughts about that. <laughs> the issues that came up in this book, which was supposed to be Ireland, is that reminiscent of any, I mean, you said you thought it was communist like, mm-hmm. what were you thinking? Like Russia or uh, East Germany? Like and East so Germany, forth. yeah. I definitely thought Ireland, but I was I cheated because I listened to an Irish because you had the Irish narrator. lady, and she did. I did listen to a sample. She definitely uh, was a very good narrator. Um, well, then and, the father was so hung up about the Holocaust, so I guess that's what yeah. made me think East Germany more than even Russia. But Europeans in general, they're still very affected on a daily basis. I think by World War II, especially that generation. He couldn't think about anything. Yeah, he was else. totally depressed from all that. He was a mess. But I did like. Okay, so we were still talking about kind of back characters. So we got the milkman, middle sister, primary friend, maybe boyfriend. So let's talk about maybe boyfriend a little bit because that's 
that she finally does also is she's going to tell him about everything but yet then is totally betrayed by him because she walks in and finds him he's been what his house has been ransacked he's been threatened by whatever group is in their district not her district but his district group but i think that all has something to do with the milkman i think he engineered that oh yeah and that car with the flag part Oh my gosh! That. I couldn't picture that at all. Yes, I guess it's like a Mercedes emblem or something, and, and yeah, with a fla- like a British. I was thinking a British flag, yeah, because they made a big deal that anybody would have British or Republic of Ireland flag. I mean, I don't know. Belfast is weird yeah, because it doesn't say doesn't say what it, it is. It's just the flag, the mm-hmm. emblem, the wrong one, the one that doesn't belong to that district. He might have it, but he doesn't. He just has a car part. Anyway, so he gets beat up. She goes over. She's finally to the point after she's been poisoned, she's going to go tell him everything. And, and she walks in, and he's having an intimate moment with his friend. Chef. Who's chef, mm-hmm. who's been her friend, too. And he's chef because he cooks all the time. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that he's gay or bisexual and it's but she had kind of mentioned things she says it a she lot was, that she was a little bit thinking maybe he wasn't right yeah and that's Something why she didn't want to live with him oh that's a phrase that there i was really a, there wasn't a yeah. masculinity there there was she talked about that yeah. it was, she was okay with it he liked but. cooking he liked sunsets mm-hmm. oh my gosh that's funny <laughs> a little stereotypical there a, a little bit yeah and then that he I'm not sure that basis of that relationship that, and that he's a hoarder. That was interesting too. She didn't want to live in his house because of that, but they talked about living in the red light district together, but she couldn't quite bring herself to do that. But she stayed with it. But starting off, it was like three nights a week. She spent the night with him. And then she cut out the one night a week because she was worried about the car bombing, but she couldn't yet completely let go of him. It's a very odd relationship, but I'm. But for eighteen-year-olds, it's probably pretty typical. Human, yeah, human. And also going back to her mother, how she knew she could just talk about him, but just refused to. She was not going to give her mother that anything. Just not let her have it. No information. No information. Information. It, it was her way of, uh, I think, keeping control. Mm-hmm. Is by you're not going to know. So the key to every relationship is communication. So if I'm not going to communicate anything to you, (laughs) that's because I don't want to have a relationship with you or I want it to be, you know, she, she, but she had a conscience. She did think about that. But she knew her mother believed all the rumors about the milkman. She thought that the, the maybe boyfriend should marry her and things like that. And so, you know, if you can't, discuss things with somebody because their mind is so closed or they already have their you know mind made up then you know i can see where she would so the the mother character did evolve right i did like her evolving at the end she seemed pretty human and they she made her seem so old this is i'm sorry i'm gonna harp on my age a little bit she made her seem so old she has all these kids she's a grandmother and everything she's 51 oh my gosh I didn't realize that. <laughs> she was 51, and she didn't have the right clothes because when she did finally want to have a man, the real she said man. she had all the dowdy clothes and everything. And I'm like, she's 51. I'm 49. Okay, oh but my when gosh. you're 18, 
Don't you remember yeah, being that age? 51, 51, 51 could be 80, yeah. Thinking, oh my gosh, you after 35, you know, like nothing's <laughs> going to matter anymore. That's I'm just right. going to go knit in the corner and, you know, no. <laughs> yes. It's not how it works. One thing that I, I picked up on that I really thought struck me about the mother was when she had this conversation and tried to explain to her and tell her this is, this is not me and I'm she she tried to have this emotional connection with her for a moment mm-hmm. and oh she felt sorry for her yeah and yeah. then her mom the term I think that really got me was my mom adhered to a hierarchy of suffering <laughs> and I was like oh I love that well you were raised Catholic <laughs> yes I get it I totally understand that I mean a hundred thousand percent so it is a hierarchy of suffering it is it? yes it's like, my, I'm this. bad my life may be not perfect young lady but but listen to there's all a worse this. fate waiting yeah. for you Star- oh my God. <laughs> the starving children eat your food and just whatever but it had to do with that moment with her father and how mm-hmm. oh well he didn't really have a right to the suffering and then yeah. I think he actually did have a right to I think suffering. he had a huge right to it. And that, that that also made me think of modern day issues, political issues and everything. That also made me think. So he admits on his deathbed that he was raped mm-hmm. as a child. So that sort of made me think about the Catholic priest scandal. That maybe that was some sort of. Oh, I didn't even think about pedophile that. situation. Yeah, I could have lived with that. That part and <laughs> decapitated cats and dogs. Right. I just thought, what if I oh, read that whole, right whole. before I went to sleep? I would have just had nightmares. The the part when I read about the the other paramilitary group killing all the dogs mm. and hard. leaving them in a pile in the middle of the street. Yeah, that was gratuitous. It's horrific. Need to go into all those horrific. details. You but I wonder. Just talked about. Yeah, so glossed over it. I haven't looked it up, but I wonder if that really happened. Who like, knows if it. If that because the dogs would alert the people that the military people were coming, and so just shoot them. You don't, yeah. You know, they slit their throat. Well, but in, in war, I think things happen that we don't want to really know. Well, that's exactly. And right. I think that's part of what she, what her. It's funny because reading while walking is yeah, about. She her, doesn't want to know. Her theme where she is, is she doesn't really want to know. Yeah. But then we get all these. Yeah, I feel like that was the conversation Bullet with her points. dad. It's like <laughs> blah 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 blah, and then my dad talks about being raped. And well, I, I was like, hold on a second. Do I need to rewind that? Do I hear that right? Um, Back yeah. but it. And then the girls not really understanding it and they're giggling. And then they're like, what is that? What is rape? What does that mm-hmm. mean? And he keeps talking about it in a little bit more description. But you're thinking, okay, well, the guy's on his deathbed. This is a moment where of reflection, obviously, to them. They think they're portraying it. Who does he think he's talking to? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because he keeps referring to her in a different wrong. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So he may have been hallucinating. Who knows? I mean, I don't know what he was dying from, but he wasn't well. So Mm -hmm. I think um, the only thing she said, we don't know what he dies from, but we know he doesn't die. It's she specifically says when the higher about the hierarchy of suffering all these other people that this son has died in this incident this son was killed on the street but it's not like my husband my husband just died (laughs) like it's not my i don't really have anything to complain about because he just died of like somewhat natural causes yes because it wasn't a heroic or martyrdom or something yeah like there was no injustice right maybe and, but there, but that there ultimately was an injustice committed against him. Okay, so characters, other characters that y'all liked. Is there anybody who stands out? I really like the little sisters. I thought they were hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like their questions that they asked 
they were very precocious. You kind of picture little women, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the yeah. younger ones, and, and Beth, you know, being the, and Joe being the real. And that they got the tough news, ones. they got the newspapers from. They like couldn't figure out where they got the other the newspapers from across the water. Across the water, yes. Yes. So where did those precocious little children get that information? I thought they were a much needed comic relief levity. Yeah. Yes. In a really heavy dark, dark novel. book. Yeah. <laughs> Are there well, any other well characters that y'all? I mean, I kind of like the late. I'm just interested. Did what y'all think about the ladies group? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That what was going on? Like, why? The denouncers? Yeah. The, oh, yes. The denouncers. Yes, everybody has a... We have the the feminist group who's yeah. going to come in and... And, I mean, maybe that did happen in Belfast. Maybe those mothers finally did be... Like, you know, our, our children are dying. Let's, let's yeah. try to talk about... These are issues. So, that sort of struck a current note with me was that it was a... But in the 70s, that kind of was feminism. It was, but it wasn't. It wasn't staunchly. What they wanted to achieve was very small. They just didn't want. She went in to talk about they, you know, it's small things. We don't want to yeah. be pinched on the butt or mm-hmm. hit. It's, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. We just don't want to be hit. Like someone comes and hits you on the head. Can you imagine walking down the street and someone just comes and hits you? I've had a bad day. So, <laughs> I mean, things haven't gone my that's way. A, I think that's a, a reasonable reason to have an issue. You know, so. Yes. So one term I really like about everybody in the neighborhood is when she says they're beyond the pale. Yeah. Because there's so many people who are beyond the pale. You don't want to be beyond the pale. (laughs) You want to be like normal, perceived as normal. And how shocked she is when she talks to her primary friend and finds out she's considered beyond Beyond the the pale. pale. That's it. Yes. Like that rocks her. Yeah. Yeah, She's, but I love that term because I believe I've heard some people in my family say that's beyond the pale. (laughs) I think it's that they, uh, there's a a need to be, anonymity is the best way. Just Mm -hmm. don't let any, don't make too much noise. Don't make waves. Just be normal or pretend to be normal. Under the radar. Just, yeah. People don't like that, though. They want you to pick sides. And she did mention that. She wanted to be under the radar. She yeah. did not want to be... Was there any other like language that. like that that struck y'all? Well, that jamais vu. Oh, that's Instead a good, of yes. deja vu. Yes. Um, my French is not good, so how do you say it? Jamais vu. Jamais vu, which is the opposite of deja vu. Yeah, the feeling never. that you're, you have never experienced right. that particular moment. And... It's a little bit beyond that even, isn't it? Like, I don't know. I had to look it up. It it shuts the door pretty firmly. (laughs) Yes. I had another. Oh, I had to look up Pemex. Did y'all, when there's a quote in there about. um, Petroleum Club of Mexico? (laughs) Petroleum Corporation of Mexico? (laughs) Oh, no, not Pemex. Well, okay. There's my brain. Semex. Semex. Oh, yeah. that Semtex. Yeah, that's that. Semtex. Um, explosive. It's ex- plastic yeah. explosive. I had to look it up. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, okay, that's plastic explosive. So in the conversation with her longest friend, she says, are you saying it's okay to go around with Semtex, but not okay for me to read Jane Eyre in public? And her friend says, Semtex isn't unusual. It's to be expected. Wow. That's very telling. That is like mm. super violent. Like I wouldn't know an explosive, but that this is the world that they live in. So um, I've actually, I will digress for a moment. I have been to Belfast and 
it is a distinct place and they, they do call it the troubles and everything and so knowing that the author author s was really raised in belfast tells me and that she now lives in england i get it you know that there was no peace there till 96 97 with bill clinton he went and brokered a peace between everybody we drove from belfast to dublin which in and of itself that drive from belfast to dublin is like driving from here to lubbock it is not far at all it's maybe less than two hours drive but and politically, we, it's pretty far. Oh, uh, when we were when we were driving, so and they use different money. Republic of Ireland uses one kind of money, and Northern Ireland is part of the UK, so you can still use. Well, at that time, you could use euros. I guess with Brexit, you, you won't be able to anymore, which was very confusing to us. I was like the whole time, I was like, why is it? Why is the ATM spitting out this money? And then when we got in the car to drive to Dublin. He wanted to be paid, but I said, "What do you, will you take a credit card or do you want to be paid in euros or, or pounds? Because it's different. And we had to find an ATM before we left Northern Ireland so I could pay him in the money that he wanted. It's just, it, it's still like that. It's mm-hmm. divided that way. But anyway, as we're driving down the highway about an hour into the drive, he, we're just chatting or whatever, and he says, do you see those towers in the distance and it it was the old there used to actually be a border crossing and it was the checkpoint and they were like covered in green and like you would think ireland covered in vines and everything and you couldn't he's like oh well there would have been you know military people here and you couldn't go there and all that i mean i don't think that i realized until then and then reading this book reminded me how very violent that history is mm-hmm. of Northern Ireland. So I do feel like she was trying to write it like it could be anywhere, but I do think with references like this to some texts and each neighborhood having its own paramilitary group. Yeah. Sure. I think all fiction and we're reading all fiction mm-hmm. is somewhat autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ireland's beautiful, but it's weird. He also, we also went on a tour where they showed us where they, they used to buy arms from the Middle East. Crazy. It's like Qaddafi or whatever. And so he showed us like the caves along the coast where they, they used to come in and hide the weapons. Wow. And bombs and stuff. It was. And Semtex. It's just really violent. I mean, I wouldn't even know. I can't imagine growing up somewhere like that. So we've talked about style. We've talked about my thoughts on Belfast. We've talked about characters. Are there any quotes or anything else that y'all would like to say before we kind of go to our standard questions? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like hierarchy of suffering. I'm, that's my, I, I think that uh, summed it up for me. Um, what did y'all think of the ending? Well, it did wrap a lot of things up. I mean, you found out, you know, why she was poisoned and that, you know, she did recover and she was ready to run again. And her mother was going to move on with her life finally. And the real milkman had gone through all of his metamorphosis with the arms being found in his backyard and the man no one could love or the man who loved nobody or whatever his nickname was. Yeah, kind of like his, mm-hmm. that was his moniker. Yeah, yeah to, the man who couldn't To becoming a supportive person to her, bearing the cat's head for her, and then, you know, trying to date the mother. <laughs> yeah. So, I did like the way it wrapped up. But. Yeah, at least the, at least it tied up all that and the milk and the evil milkman the died. Real, yeah, the real milkman. That's almost like 
pulling the mask off in yeah. an older movie. If you were, okay, so let's go through some basic questions. If, okay, if you're, would you have a question specifically to the author? I know what I would ask her if I, she's very not public. Like, she doesn't do a lot of... And then the only thing, in fact, I could find about her in an interview that she said about the award was that now she was solvent. <laughs> like, that was her main concern. She didn't want to write... She's not interested in writing anymore, correct? Uh, no, she's interested in it. She has a, a surgical injury in her back, okay. which makes it very difficult for her to sit for long periods of time. So the, the inter- interview I was reading it was in The Guardian, which is British mm-hmm. paper. And they said during the interview they had to, like, stand up. She had to stand up, and then she had to sit, like, on a low table. Hmm. She has, yeah, it's, and I don't know, a surgical injury? I don't know what that is, but I don't know if she's... I think I'd have some questions for her family. (laughs) (laughs) I'd want to know what they had to say. Seven? uh, Yeah. Seven. I mean, I don't know. That has to, I think some of those family dynamics have to play out. I'd wonder what her mom had to say. Yeah, if if they're still alive, and if she sees any of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, she might not ever go back there. I would ask her, yeah, like, some questions about Belfast. Like, where, what exactly neighborhood did you grow up in? And are any of these characters, like Tablet's Girl, the Poisoner, <laughs> which is such a weird thing, character in the book, yeah. Tablet's Girl. And then did y'all find yourselves getting confused? I did get confused sometimes because another character was Tablet Girl's sister. Right. The Shining <laughs> The Shining Sister. sister. But uh, but she referred to her as Tablet Girl Sister, and I was like, oh, I wish I could go through the book and highlight when we're talking about Tablet's Girl and when we're talking about Sister. And what was the character? It was Mick something. Oh, somebody Mick somebody. Somebody Mick somebody. Yeah. Somebody. Hello. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it was hard. It was a little harder to keep up with some of these because I wasn't so reading them, and I feel like I would have wanted to write them down and put it yeah, down. Yes, on a character a, list. Yeah. I, I would have wanted a character tree just to take a look. But, yeah, somebody mixed somebody, and just, I don't know. So we have a thought. Okay, so one of our standard questions is, could y'all see this as a movie or a Netflix whatever? I think it'd be pretty slow and <laughs> It would be a foreign film. A foreign film. <laughs> there we go. A foreign Subtitles. Film. So I guess everybody who's listening can tell. We, I don't think, I think that I'm glad I read it, but I don't think I enjoyed it. I think it could be like some kind of fan fiction where you could recreate it based on that. I don't know. Or what do you call it when they do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like a. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. what I know what you're talking about. Would you recommend this book to anybody? No. <laughs> I well, it just takes too long to read. But yeah, maybe the it audience is slow. Will be like I it took me. a it. I'm usually a very fast reader and it did take me. Like, I needed the TV off and no interruptions. I had to concentrate because I felt like it needed my full attention. I would recommend listening to it. Yeah, I think that sounds nice. Well, when I listened to the sample of the audio version, I thought, oh, yeah, maybe this would have been a better one to listen to Mm -hmm. than than try to read. Um, And I do, I like an Irish accent. Because I did, I I enjoyed it more than, you know, I. I think you enjoyed you you did. It was audio, so I do think you enjoyed it more than mm-hmm. Iris and I did because it wasn't such a slog. So maybe it could be a great movie. Yeah. We cut out the board. So who would play parts. the who would play the heroine here? Somebody eighteen. Somebody I don't eighteen know. and 
It's red hair and yeah, very Irish. We need well, and actually they say what is her description that he said they say that she looks like she's blonde, right? So mm-hmm. in our in the author is sort of a dirty blonde. Mm-hmm. They compare her to movie stars, like blonde. I can't remember what they said, but somebody blonde and young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, there's somebody I can see as the mother. She was the mother in like Pride and Prejudice, the one with Kira Knightley. She's sort of like attractive but harried looking, like British actress. Like, I don't know what her name is. And the milkman. The real milkman? Uh, or the no, bad milkman. Bad milkman. Like bad guy. Alec Baldwin. I was thinking like Sean Penn. Yeah. Christian Bale. Ooh, yeah, somebody mm. just a little bit with a little creepy. Wedge. Scary. Yeah. scary. Yeah. Okay, so would you be, would y'all be likely to read another? Well, now it's not called the Man Booker. Now it's just back to being the Booker Prize, which is a distinct, I mean, it's very, it's very UK. It's very, to me, it was very British. Yeah. Too. There's some, some density of the language, density of the language that is like you're British. So would y'all be, like, I've read Life of Pi and that won that award and Margaret Atwood. There was a lot of ones that have won it that I've never heard of that have to be just like hyper British kind of books. So would you read another Booker Prize winner, Iris? Maybe. I'm I'm reading a really good British um, mystery right now, The Magpie Murders. Oh, and it's, that's a good title. Yeah, I like that. It's great. Mm. It's a book within a book. It's really entertaining. And I like British. Usually I like British things. So. What about you, Melanie? Will you read some more Man Booker Prize winners? Possibly. I've learned that if it's going to be really complicated, I might try Audible and running. I might have read Anna Karenina that way. <laughs> it's one of my very favorites, but it's, it's one of those dense. you have to go back and back and like, who's this person? I don't remember. What is this? Who's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's almost similar, even though there, there's too many names and too many similar names. Yes. So. Translation. The book that I had, like, finally gave up on about halfway through was Dr. Zhivago because of the, it was probably, it's probably the version I was reading because that, so that's translated from Russian. Mm-hmm. And I just gave up at, at one point. So maybe an audio maybe of so. Dr. Zhivago a, would be better for me. Interesting. Um, okay. So. I like, I, I did enjoy it. I will say that. And I didn't think I was going to enjoy it. Oh, I didn't think after that first deathbed scene, I was that was like on page twenty seven. I was like, I don't think I can read this. It's that, too hard. That was hard. And then when all the dogs died, I was like, Okay, never mind. But yeah, there that was felt like is this a Ted Bundy conversation or what's going on right now? This is weird. Well, it's almost like she was weaving in all the things, the Me Too movement, yes. the pedophile deal. You know, all these current events, you know, she was trying to, you know, weave into the storyline and I thought, You're trying too hard. Yeah, I would ask her, was that the intention? Yeah. And then the stalker and you know, those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, everything was a little bit mm, tropey. Trope-y. It was like the YouTube rabbit hole in literary form. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I do like, we do talk about cover art a little bit. So the cover art, it is pink. It's like sunset. Mm-hmm. It is a sunset, which is symbolic. She's like, how could, I never noticed a sunset. That is a good scene in the French class she's in. Mm-hmm. The teacher, I was like, maybe she should have told the French teacher that the guy was stalking her. Because that person seemed like they might have taken that in hand. Anyway, her her once a night, once a week night class, she makes them all go to the window and look at the sunset. And I thought that was 
And the boyfriend had taken her on a date to look at the sunset yes. the week before. And Symbolic. Because like, she didn't ever look up. She was always looking down at her book, mm-hmm. so she never noticed a sunset. I like and the sky cover. Is blue. I, do, I really like the cover. Yeah, it's pretty. The cover is very inviting, but a little deceiving. <laughs> very deceiving, because there's no... I mean, this is not the, this isn't a sunset romance. Here, Abby, novel, would you look at the cover and tell me if, based on the cover, as a non-reader of the book, if you would read it? What does that look to, to you like? It's a romance or something? Would it get yeah. more? Would it get your attention a little bit? It it just looks peaceful. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that I would actually be drawn to it. Not well, and it's not at all peaceful. <laughs> it's the opposite. Yeah, which. I kind of like the dichotomy. Anyway, it wasn't my favorite book, but I'm glad I read it. And so we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Do y'all have anything, any other thoughts about that? About Milkman? It's available in the Midland Downtown Library. (laughs) Iris is returning our copy. That's right. Our print (laughs) copy. As always, if any of our listeners are signed up for services with us and they would like to listen to the audio version, which is highly recommended by Melanie, they can call us at 432-682-2731, or they can email Stephanie at recordinglibrary.org, and that's Stephanie just spelled like regular old Stephanie. Or they can probably, if you want to get it on Audible, you can get it on Audible. But if, you, like I said, if you're signed up with services, we'll get it for you, and you won't have to pay for it. Our book for July 2nd, I have high hopes for this one. I think it'll be an easier read is Exit West by Mohsen Hamid. Is that how you would say that? It's not as long. Oh, it is shorter, too. It's way shorter, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is the winner of the 2018 Los Angeles Times Book Prize for Fiction and the Aspen Words Literary Prize. And it is, I did look at a a short synopsis of it. It is a a romance with a little bit of a twist. And it's two young people. And, oh, I mean, it is... It does kind of start out in a war-torn area, <laughs> so we've so we've got more war. We have some maybe boyfriend happening. But again war is good for no. war is good for plot, right? You need conflict, <laughs> mm-hmm. so and resolution that will be airing on July fourth, actually on Independence Day. And thank y'all for reading this weird book with me. I did want to ask you, Iris, since we didn't talk to you, did you read less than the book from? Last month? No, my daughter has it, but I forgot to ask her for it. But I'll see okay. her in a couple of weeks. So well, I'll we're just going to check in with everybody because Cindy about past books because Cindy was going to read Milkman, and I told her I would we would talk about anybody if we've if they've missed, mm-hmm. we can get their thoughts. So my daughter said she liked it, and she has it, but it's just I have to go to New York to get it. Well, it was a very different book club than this one <laughs> because we laughed our way through less. But this one was was not so fun. This was sobering. Yeah. Kind of a downer. All right. We will be back here in July. Thanks. Bye.